0: Hi, I'm Kevin Byron. A year ago today, I was in a hospital bed and the prognosis wasn't good. In fact, the doctors were preparing
1: my wife for the worst, namely that I wasn't gonna make it through. You all came together as a church and you prayed for my family and you prayed for my healing. You even supported my family financially when we needed it the most. Over the last year, God has healed my body and he has strengthened my spirit. He's even added a,
0: a few surprises along the way, namely a guest shot on Jimmy Kimmel Live, where they match your generous gift of $20,000. I
1: want to encourage you today that if you feel that you're hurting, if you feel that bits and pieces of you are dying, be it physically, spiritually, mentally, or emotionally, the prayer does work, God is alive, and you can call out to him today. Isn't that awesome? Well, let's give God the glory for that. Uh, If you're new with us, I mean, a year ago on Easter, we were completely online, and that was a faith story in and of itself, that we, uh, God had given us a vision to prepare for digital ministry. We had our biggest Easter ever last year, fully online, and in the midst of it, a firefighter from our community, Kevin, who you just saw, was in the hospital with COVID. Uh, Kevin and his wife attend here, and when we learned through Becky that Kevin's organs were failing, uh, his, his heart, his lungs, his kidneys even, I mean, it looked incredibly hopeless, but we came together as a church. And in fact, when we shared this with a family in our church, they said, we wanna put up $10,000 if the congregation will match it, because uh, Kevin and Becky were about to lose their home and the church came together and we were able to take care of them financially, but then God answered our prayers and he healed Kevin physically. And then just like God showing off, uh, a few weeks later we get a call, uh, right after Kevin got out of the hospital, we get a call uh, from the Jimmy Kimmel live show and there's a producer on the show who grew up in Carmel and she had a Facebook friend who uh, attends our church and she had seen the story. And she said, hey, could we bring Kevin Byron on to Jimmy Kimmel Live? And so then we're all watching when uh, he's on there being hosted by Rob Lowe, and they match the church's donation to the family. It was the coolest thing. I'm so glad this Easter that we get to be in person. Isn't this great to be actually in the same room together? I love it. I'm thankful for what we're able to do online, but I'm so thankful that we're able to gather physically. And if you're our guest, I just hope you know this is a place uh, where we're all about Jesus because he's alive today and he still does miracles just like we saw in Kevin Byron's life. He still heals people physically and he still heals people emotionally and spiritually. And I wanna just start off today by asking you, you know, where in your life could you use a miracle? Or where in your life, maybe to to phrase it differently, where in your life do you feel like God's not there or he's not showing up? I mean, our feelings can be so different from reality. If you were to talk to Kevin, well, Kevin was in a coma a year ago today. If you were to talk to his wife, Becky, at the time, man, she was choosing to believe, but it didn't feel like God was right there with them. It didn't feel great, and sometimes our lives can feel like God's completely absent, like God doesn't care. Sometimes it can feel like God is a million miles away. How do you think today God feels about you? Where is it today that you feel he's far away or that you could use uh, an interaction with him, a miracle from him? If I could tell you today how to experience God in your life right now, would you want to know how? If I could tell you today where maybe it just seems like God's not even there, how, how to really experience him, would you wanna know how? We're gonna spend a little time just talking about lost and found things. I remember growing up, my school had a lost and found. Did you, raise your hand if your school had a lost and found. Do you remember that? And I remember that because uh, I was kind of a poor kid. We shopped at Goodwill and Salvation Army and I would always be prowling around the lost and found because the day would come that if stuff hadn't been claimed, it was up for grabs, and so I'd always be looking to see what was in the lost and found. Lost and found, it's a funny thing. Has this ever happened to you? I wear glasses when I don't have my contacts in. I'll be honest, you can laugh at me here. One time I was real tired. I was real frustrated about something in life, and I couldn't find my glasses anywhere until I realized that they were on my face. Has that ever happened to you? Or like, you can't find your keys, you're panicking, you're running all around, That turns out they're in your pocket. Have you ever done that? Lost and found, there's so many funny things with lost and found. And sometimes there's really emotional things, you know? You can't find your wedding ring or something valuable and your heart starts racing. When I was 12, uh, we uh, adopted a rescue dog. For my birthday present, I got a rescue dog. Her name was Casey, called a White Samoyed. Uh, They're a lot like huskies, they're sled dogs. Casey was six years old when we adopted her from the rescue shelter, and she was the sweetest dog. She was a really, really great dog. Uh, But the only problem was, I don't know if she had been uh, kicked or something in those first six years of life before I got her, but if the door was open, Casey would run, she would just bolt for it. She was a runner. Have you ever had a dog that's a runner? Right now we have a dog that's not a runner, and every day I'm just like amazed. I'm like, this dog stays with us. This is unreal. Well, Casey, even though she was a good dog, she was a runner, and sometimes she would get out. And I grew up in Michigan, and sometimes in the winter she would get out, and she was fast. And sometimes she'd get out, and she'd be lost, and we lived on a really busy road. And so when she would get out, and I couldn't catch up to her my mind would start racing of, you know, what if she gets hit by a car? I'd seen other pets that were lost get hit by cars on that busy road. And so often I would just have this sense of uh, this urgency when she was out and when she was lost to find her. You can laugh at me in this next picture. Here's a picture of me and Casey and my teal windbreaker. Anyone who grew up in the late 80s or early 90s knows what a windbreaker is. Uh, based on other fashion trends, I'm pretty sure they're about to come back around. So, But you can see even there, Casey has the rope on. She was uh, naturally just a runner. And I remember specifically one time when she had gotten out, and I had to actually go on my bicycle all around the neighborhood because I couldn't keep up with her on foot. And I, I finally got to her, and I dove on her, and I just bear-hugged her. And I held her so close to me because she was lost, and I wanted her to be safe. I didn't want her to get hit by a car. Do you know that feeling of finding something that's been lost? And I wonder today, do you know that God feels that way about you? It's not that he doesn't want you running free in life. But he doesn't want you getting hit by cars. And he doesn't want you out there in the cold. He doesn't want your hair matted and your stomach hungry. He wants you safe in his arms. This is the heart of God toward you, whether uh, maybe you've run from him because of mistakes that others have made. Or maybe you just haven't ever heard the good news that he cares about you and he's reaching out to you. Or maybe you're here today and there have been seasons in your life where you really knew God and you really were walking with him. Maybe you were even actively part of a church like this, but uh, you've kind of wandered away. And today God's just reminding you what Easter's all about, that God reaches out to you. Here's how you can summarize Easter. Almighty God, uh, the one who spun the planets into existence who created every molecule and every atom, who designed planet Earth to be this little ecosystem for life, the God who made killer whales and dinosaurs, I mean, this genius, massive, almighty God, he willingly became a human. That's who Jesus was and is. Not just a good teacher or a good example, those things are true, but he's almighty God who literally came down through the fabric of the universe Onto planet earth. Why did he do that? The same reason I would leave my house in the middle of the winter in Michigan and set out on foot to get my dog Casey because I loved her. He loves you. He loves you so much more than any of us could ever love our pets or even our kids and to rescue you. To rescue you because we were separated from God by this thing that he calls sin. It's something that has infected all of us whether we realize it or not. He had to die on the cross he had to uh, kind of like when someone commits a crime and the evidence is clear that the crime was committed and the penalty has to be paid Jesus paid your penalty in mine. he died on the cross so that you could live for eternity so that you don't have to fear death and now here's the beauty of Easter uh, I guess any weirdo could have claimed to be God They couldn't have done the miracles Jesus did, but maybe some kind of magician could have, you know, tricked people, some ancient illusionist, if you will. Uh, But no one's been able to pull off the trick of being completely murdered. Murdered in front of a a crowd of thousands in a metropolis city. Murdered according to professional Roman soldiers who killed people for a living. Buried in a a well-documented tomb. No one else in all of history has done all of that while claiming to be God and then rising from the dead. And that's what we celebrate at Easter. We actually know it was this very time of year about 2,000 years ago because of a, a holiday that Jesus set up through the Jewish people called Passover. Jesus was the Passover lamb, and so that's why Easter, if you ever wondered, like, why is Easter a little bit different week, and kind of March, April area every year? Because it's based on the Jewish calendar, Passover. Jesus came as the Passover lamb, one of the most documented people in history. So documented that our calendar is based on his birthday. And what's so phenomenal about Jesus wasn't just his radical claims, his radical love, but also this fact that he was publicly executed and then he rose from the dead. Why did he do all this? Here's why. Your creator would rather leave heaven and suffer to reach you than be comfortable in heaven without you. Uh, given the either or choice for God who you know, has eternally existed and was in this place where there's no sickness, no death, no pain, God said, I would rather leave that and suffer to reach her, to reach him. I would rather leave that and suffer to reach them than be comfortable without them. And if you don't hear anything else today, you need to leave here knowing that's how God feels about you. He proved it on the cross. And I believe he brought you into this moment in time and into this room because he wants you to hear that he loves you and he wants you to choose if you will receive his love. Well, Jesus told us about the love of God through a number of stories, and I wanna walk you quickly through a couple of them. One starts here in Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells this story, and here's the context. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, the culture that Jesus came to, this uh, Jewish religious culture, Um, It it was very kind of perfectionistic about, you know, being as good as you can be so you can be like God. And Jesus kind of broke into the middle of that to say, hey, you can never be as good as God, but God has extended, God is coming to you to say, if you'll believe in me, I'll cover up your flaws. So as a result, Jesus would often eat with these tax collectors and sinners who were really the social outcasts. You know, everyone kind of knew, these were kind of like the Las Vegas underbelly people. And everyone kind of knew who they were and that what they did wasn't acceptable. And by the way, all the religious people would avoid them, would not even physically touch them. They didn't have grocery store lines like we do, but literally religious people would go around. Jesus even told stories about this. They would go out of the way to make sure their garments didn't even brush up against these sinners. Now, here's Jesus, a religious teacher claiming to be God. And he's not just brushing up against them, he's sitting down to eat with them, which was an incredibly intimate thing in this culture because they would share, you know, they'd pass a bowl around, they'd be dipping it, they're sharing all sorts of weird germs like we wouldn't do today. And here's Jesus with these sinners. And look at verse two. Here's how the Pharisees, the religious people, I love it, they muttered, they're, nah, 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 Jesus, Jesus. Nah, This man welcomes sinners. He eats with them. He can't possibly be from God. Why would he welcome sinners? Why would he actually share germs with sinners? And in response to this, verse 3, Jesus is going to tell them a parable. A parable is like an illustrative story. It was Jesus' favorite way of teaching was through stories. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of those sheep. Doesn't he leave the 99 and go after it. Now something that Jesus' audience would have known that maybe we're not as familiar with because uh, there would have been sheep herds all around Jerusalem and there would have been shepherds who tend to them. And so it's good for us to just remind ourselves you will not find out in nature naturally occurring herds of sheep. Like if you're watching National Geographic or the Discovery Channel and you know you might see uh, like antelope or other wild grazing animals, you won't find large herds of wild sheep. And the answer for that, the reason for that is real simple. They've all been eaten. I mean, sheep are completely defenseless. They don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have horns. They're slow. They're a little dumb. Sheep are totally hopeless without a shepherd. That's why you're, you know, you you don't drive and like, oh, I hit a sheep the other day that was just, you know, deer maybe, because they can run fast, but sheep are defenseless without a shepherd. And so Jesus more or less says, um, if you had a hundred sheep, and you loved them, and one of them, you're counting, and one of them, not to go to sleep, you're just counting your sheep, one of them, so you come to ninety-nine, You're going to put the 99 in a safe place. They had these walled enclosures. And then you're going to go out to search for that lost sheep. And remember the context. Jesus is sitting surrounded by sinners, and the religious people are judging him. They're saying, why are you doing this? He says, here's why I'm doing this. Because I seek people who are far from me. I seek people who need God in their life. Whether they're in a hospital bed or they've just kind of forgotten that I care about them or even if they've been outright running from me and doing things that they know are wrong, I seek them. He goes after that lost sheep until he finds it and here's the thing, God is seeking you because you're valuable to him. Whether you're the worst of sinners and you're like, yeah, I identify with the Las Vegas underbelly crowd, or if you're over here and you're like, you know, I'm a pretty good person, I've never really done anything crazy wrong. Scripture says all of us have sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God. In other words, none of us can get a ticket into heaven based on our spiritual performance. Because we've all at least thought a bad thought or told some lie, or we've all done something that makes us not perfect but that's okay because of Jesus. Without Jesus it's not okay. You can't we can't get into heaven without Jesus. But no matter whether your sin is extreme or minimal, God seeks you because you're valuable to him. You matter to him. Did you know that he knit you together in your mother's womb? He from eternity past, he had the idea of you. He thought you into existence. He shaped your personality and the color of your eyes and the profile of your nose. And if you don't like it, maybe you can get a new nose in heaven. But he intimately crafted you. And then as a God who knows all things, he knew that evil would come into this world. That just like there are wolves and bears and lions that eat physical sheep, there's a spiritual predator of your soul. We call him Satan or the devil. He actually exists in the unseen realm. If you doubt the existence of Satan, just look at world history. Look at World War II and the atrocities. Look at the, uh, the racism, the hatred, the murder in our world. It's so clear that there is spiritual evil. And there's a predator that's out after your soul spiritually. And Jesus, God through Jesus reaches out to you and says, I want you with me because you're valuable to me. And I know broken things have happened in your life. I know people have mistreated you. Those things aren't from God. Those things are from this broken world. What is from God is healing, help, rescue through Jesus. God is seeking you because you're valuable to him. And then I love how Jesus continues the story in Luke 15. He says, when this shepherd finds that lost sheep, he doesn't like lecture the sheep. You know, some of us, we have this view of God based on our upbringing or things we've seen on TV or social media or whatever. We've got this view of God that he's like, you know. Now, he's perfect. He's holy. Yes. We revere him. We respect him. He can send people to heaven, hell. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't answer to anyone, okay? So he's big. He's in authority, but he's not grumpy. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger, scripture says. And Jesus, who was God, so that we could see another human represent God, says, what does God do when he finds you and you, you've wandered away? He doesn't lecture you. He doesn't berate you. He doesn't, uh, you know, try to, oh, why would you do this, you crazy sheep? He finds it and he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. What does that mean the sheep is tired. The sheep's hair is matted and muddy. The sheep is probably hungry, it's vulnerable. And when you feel that way, God, he wants to pick you up. And not in a begrudging, lecture you kind of way, but in a joyful way. He wants to pick you up and then he wants to hoist you up on his shoulders. In other words, you're like, John, I'm too tired to even limp back to God today that's okay he's coming to you he's found you he reaches out to you all you got to do is let him pick you up let him put you on his shoulders and then he'll carry you home and then Jesus says here's the heart of God once that shepherd gets home with that lost sheep he's going to call out to all his friends and neighbors he's going to say rejoice with me I've found my lost sheep. You see, Easter is almighty God coming after you and searching for you. I came across a true story of this. Uh, In October of 2012, a doctor in New York City named Diana adopted a little dog, a mutt named Zoe, 30-pound mutt. Well, uh, Diana uh, was a a single doctor at the time, and, and she just bonded with this dog. She loved this dog so much. Well, one day... Uh, They were walking through a park, and the dog kind of wiggled its way out of its collar, and it it ran off, and it was lost. And uh, Diana went on this spree, putting up uh, lost posters with a reward for her puppy Zoe all around New York City. And as the weeks went on, um, Diana started to get more and more prank calls from people who would would just, in mean-spirited people who would, call up and pretend they had her dog, but they didn't. And She got more and more discouraged. One day her phone rang. She was just about to take all the posters down. And this couple said, hey, we've found your dog. Well, she asked them to send a picture because she'd gotten so many prank calls. And, And then this text message comes through and it's the picture of her dog. This lovely couple had recovered Zoe limping along in Riverside Park. They put a scarf around the dog's neck to guide it along. On the way home, they had stumbled across the poster. And Diana nursed the dog back to health. The dog actually had broken bones and had to go to the vet and have a surgery. and Diana paid all these expenses to have her dog completely rehabilitated. And she writes at the end of this article, to this day, Whenever I see a lost dog poster, I call the person's number, and I tell them to not give up hope. I love that. Now, if you're here and you're not a dog person or a, a pet person, maybe you're like, these pet people are weird, okay? But I love it, because I love pets and I love dogs, and to me, it's just this like emotional picture. This is very much like the story that Jesus told in modern times. I think we all get that feeling And God brought you here today, whether you're the one who feels lost or maybe it's someone in your life who has wandered away from God, to say, don't give up. Keep seeking God. Keep returning here every week, and Listen to what Jesus says in verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Now remember, he's sitting down with these sinners. He's talking to the religious people. And his point is this story demonstrates the heart of God. One sinner, we've covered that. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What is repenting? Repenting is simply acknowledging, God, I'm not good enough. And and God, I choose you over myself. If you want to pick me up and, and put me on your shoulders, then I'll let go of the other things I've been holding on to. God, I'll do things your way in my life. I'll do my best to turn away from the things that don't please you. But you're not saved by you perfectly turning away from sin. You're saved by surrendering to God. You're saved by grace through faith, not by your performance. But by repenting, you're just saying, God, I'm willing. I I surrender to you. I trust you. Repentance is simply trusting God the same way if you go, you know, under for a surgery. You're kind of trusting the doctor (laughs) with what they're going to do. And you just repentance just saying, God, I trust you. Uh, I can't get to you on my own, and I'm trusting in you. Well, now Jesus is going to tell a second story. And this story is unique because, you know, sheep are different from you and me in one specific, one primary way. And it's this: Scripture says that you're made in the image of God. A sheep or not, God cares about the sheep, but he cares a lot more about you of all the created order, humans are the only thing that are made in the image of God. Even angels are not made in the image of God. Part of you being made in the image of God means that you have inside of you this thing called a free will. In other words, you can choose if you want God to rescue you or not. You can choose if you wanna worship God or not. And that's different from a sheep. A sheep just has a biological nature and, you know, it's just going to do its thing. You have a choice. So when God finds you and you've wandered away and he says, hey, I'm willing to lift you up on my shoulders, here's the difference. You have a choice to make. Will you say, God, I want your help in my life, or will you say, no, thanks, God, I'm good on my own? Well, to illustrate that difference, Jesus is now going to tell this other story. It starts in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, uh, he's essentially asking for his inheritance. You know what an inheritance is. That's what you get uh, if you have a parent or grandparent who has some resources after they die. So this was totally shameful, especially in this culture. The son more or less says, Dad, I don't care about you. I don't want a relationship with you. I just want your money. You'd be better off to me dead, but you're not dead, so will you just give me the money now, okay? He didn't use all those words, but in this culture, that's what that would have meant. Dad, give me my share of the estate right now. Well, the dad honors this shameful request from the son. He divides the property between his two boys. Then verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. Where did all this come from? Generations who have worked the land Together, Now he's going to take this, generations of wealth, he sets off for a distant country. And there, he squandered his wealth in wild living. So remember, Jesus is sitting with the Las Vegas underbelly crew. Now he describes this younger son going off to pretty much Las Vegas. And he gambles and he spends the money on every pleasure that's available to him. And he keeps spending it, and he keeps spending it. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Now, Jesus is showing a picture of how we willfully wander away from God at different times in our lives. Uh, Sometimes it's that you never even really knew God was there. Other times you knew him and you got into some habit or addiction or whatever. You made some choices and you wander away. And by the way, you can live like God's not there and doesn't exist and it it can be fun for a little while. But just like this son, eventually everything runs out. Eventually you'll find yourself in need if you live like God's not there. And I don't just mean financially. Uh, I've known plenty of people who had millions of dollars in the bank, but were in deep, deep need because every relationship in their life was broken. They could be uh, literally on a yacht and be miserable because they're not connected to God. If you live like God's not there and you run away from him, eventually you will be in need. Maybe that's a, a little bit of where you are today. So this guy tries to solve the problem on his own. Verse 15, he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. Now, uh, we live in like a melting pot culture where people come from all around the world, but at this time, uh, different tribes and nations and societies were very segmented. And it was actually kind of a shameful thing that this guy had gone to a foreign land. And at this time, foreigners um, were treated not just like second-class citizens, but they were treated very poorly. That's actually why the Bible says uh, that we're to honor foreigners and we're to love them because that wasn't the way people lived. That was countercultural. So this guy's now in a foreign land, he's broke, and he more or less tries to find a landowner and say, hey, uh, can I be like almost a slave, an indentured servant, so that I can at least have a place to live and some food to eat? And the guy says, yeah, you're a foreigner, you can feed the pigs. Now again, to Jesus' audience, the pigs were a symbol of shame. So, so this guy, this younger son, he's done every shameful thing you can imagine, right? Dad, you're better off to me dead. Goes and wastes the generational wealth. Um, then he uh, is now feeding the pigs, which is also shameful. He's there in the mud. Verse 16, he longs to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He's like looking for fulfillment, spending himself, exhausting himself to find fulfillment. And he's even more empty than when he began. And God says, this is a picture of you and me apart from God. Now, in a moment, we're going to see how Jesus resolves the tension of this story. But first, I want to show you a true story of a couple who have met jesus right here in this place and when they had wandered far from god how god chased after them go ahead and take a look
0: when we first met each other it was just like a friendship it was about getting high it was about uh having sex it was about using one another i had gone through a dcs case my house caught on fire i ended up signing over custody to my uh, parents for my two oldest children. And at that point I started using meth.
2: I went to prison a few times and then every time I got out, um, I would try to be good, do good. But I became homeless after my mom got diagnosed with cancer and she ended up having to leave the house that I was raised in, you know. So after that, I didn't have nowhere to go. And then I ended up in a homeless shelter. I would keep going out trying to just say I was gonna use one or two, three times. And then eventually it led down to bad roads.
0: Then we got married. We got married high at the courthouse in our hometown. And my parents encouraged us to go get help at a detox center in our hometown. It didn't help us any at all.
2: When I picked her up from the rehab, I had heroin on me and basically threw it in her face again.
0: We ended up getting out and going to live with the man that we met in the detox center where he would let us spend his money. Um, drink and get high there.
2: But when we got kicked out of that house, you know, we didn't have nowhere to go. So we went and sat at the Walmart. So with the heroin and the meth, you know, I finally got to the point to where I, I realized that it was gonna lead me to prison again for the rest of my life or dead. And at the time, I wish I was trying to find drugs, you know, just to be able to end my life and not wanting to live and um, just feel like, I just felt like giving up. I tried to get on Facebook and just try to call and try to reach out to anybody that I could.
0: We were sitting there on our phone, and Zach just looked at me and we didn't know what to do. He's like, What are we going to do, Lindsay? Nobody that we were messaging was able to help us. It was like God was letting us know. These aren't the people that I want you to go and get help from.
2: I sent a message to a guy I know that was in my childhood and he reached out to me and he said he could come pick us up. And then I mentioned Trinity Life Ministries and he knew about that. So I went to the Trinity office there and I had an interview with him. And then he asked me when I wanted to uh, enter the program. And I told him the same day.
0: I actually had to wait a month uh, before I could get into Through the Gate. So our Christian friends allowed me to live there a month. Also, while I was able to visit with my children and they were able to come spend the night with me. Just all these open doors that God opened for us.
2: My mentor, uh, Tim Moser was his name, and uh, he was there through everything.
0: Just knowing that my husband has this really good relationship with a godly man um, is wonderful. I, I, It's great, I support it all the way.
2: So when Tim was mentoring me, I came he invited me to a service and so I came to the first service and then after that I made that commitment that this was going to be my home church.
0: I really like this church and I've come to love this church now. I I have come to love the fact that my husband stood and stood firm into wanting this to be our home church. And I love it now. I love committing every Sunday coming here. Because of everything that we've been through, I just felt like I was being led to commit and to make the decision to basically share some PDA for Jesus. And it was just so great to be able to have this good, good memory of my husband baptizing me because of everything that Jesus has done. And it just really, it's home here. Being a part of this, this church and all the people that we've met along the way since we decided to start living for Christ, it's, a, it's so amazing.
2: My life has changed tremendously from being homeless, to being a drug addict, to now being able to be there for my kids and my family and be a godly man and lead my family and my wife.
0: I would say that our lives completely took a 180 turn. Um, We're being reconciled with family members. We're able to um, be examples to others who could be out there right now using and then seeing our story and you know we're doing it all for the glory of god and the only reason that we're able to keep moving forward is because of jesus our oldest children come visit us you know every other weekend we're able to show them what jesus has done in our lives because our oldest children saw us in our darkness and now they see us because. In the light, because of Jesus, he just baptized his son, and now uh, his son's mother and her husband want to get baptized, and it's great. Like there are so many open doors here, and now we're finding, just like Tim and Lisa, have been able to lead us in different ways to Jesus. Like now, we're seeing um, we're seeing fruit by by the, some people from our past that are now being led to Jesus because. We brought them, we were able to bring them here to Connection Point.
2: It's never too late to surrender your life to the Lord.
0: There is no hopeless cause. It's all in a matter of, you know, desiring to do good, desiring a better life. And the answer is Jesus. Isn't
1: that beautiful? I love that cause Zach and Lindsay sit right here on the third row every Sunday morning at one of our Sunday services and they're just living proof that no matter how dark the darkness is in your life, it's not hopeless. Jesus can reach you where you are but what Zach and Lindsay did is they were willing to turn to him in their pain. And whether you're here and you're like, I relate to that deep darkness or Maybe you're here and, you know, you're a little more like, yeah, I I don't really have God in my life, but my life's not all that terrible. You know, I live in the suburbs, life's kind of fine. But you just know you're missing something because you're not connected to God. It was C.S. Lewis who once said that your soul will be restless until it finds rest in him. And whether that restlessness has led you to extreme things or you're just kind of living your daily grind, but internally there's just this unsettledness. Maybe you're a sheep who's wandered way off into the mud or you're a sheep that's just kind of roaming the neighborhood like my dog used to do. Wherever you are on that spectrum, God loves you. He cares for you. And here's the thing, you'll find whatever is lost in your life when you actually come to Jesus. Zach and Lindsay, they had been through things in life that drove them to those drugs and those addictions, and the healing that those drugs and addictions couldn't provide, they actually found in Jesus. And whether you're looking to some dark thing or maybe it's just that you've lost your peace, you've lost your purpose, you've lost your joy, whatever's lost in your life, you actually found it. find it. Think of this son, we call him the prodigal son, who goes off and wastes his inheritance, he's looking for something out there, and he's only gonna find it if he chooses to return home. And that's where we're gonna pick the story up, verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, remember he's in the mud with the pigs, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. So he got up and went, to his father. Here's my question for you this Easter. Have you ever gotten up and said, God, I'm returning to you? Have you ever made that choice? You see, Jesus intentionally tells this second story to say you're not a sheep. You're a human made in the image of God and you've gotta make this choice. Do you wanna keep living in the mud with the pigs? Do you wanna keep wasting your life in wild living? Or do you want to get up and return to the Father? And I just love this, how Jesus tells the story of this, this son is limping home. Now, in this culture, landowners had sandals. Servants often didn't have sandals. This son has lost his sandals. He's lost his family robe. He's lost his family ring at some pawn shop somewhere. And now he's limping home. And one day his father, who's been deeply shamed by his son, sees off on the horizon the silhouette of this arched over, hunched over, humbled person, but he can tell by the pace, by the gait, by the rhythm of the walking, that's my son. And I just love how Jesus says it, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And just like with the sheep, his father doesn't go up to lecture him or belittle him or scold him. His father is filled with compassion for him. When you're far from God, what is his heart toward you? He's filled with compassion. He sees that everything you're trying to do to fix your problems is only making it worse, and he actually has compassion on you. But notice this story. The father doesn't go to Vegas and bring the son home. He waits for the son to choose. That's your choice today. If you'll turn back to God, he's filled with compassion. And I just love this picture of God the Father. He runs to the son. Landowners in this culture, they would have a big flowing robe. He's picking his robe up, and he's running to his son. He throws his arms around him, and he starts to just kiss him a sign of affection in that culture and look what the son says to the father father i've sinned against you that's all that repentance is god i own my mistakes i I acknowledge the things i've done wrong i'm no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants quick bring the best robe and put it on him in other words When you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you return to God. Uh, You get adopted into God's family. You get eternal life. You now get the power to say no to those dark things that used to enslave you. But so much more than that, you get God's honor. This father says, I'm going to take my robe of honor My son is, he's muddy, he's wounded, he's scrawny, he's humbled. My son is defined by shame right now. I'm going to just cover him in my honor. This is what God does. This is what Easter is all about. I'm going to put my honor on him. He he pawned off his ring, his identity, but I'm going to give him identity back because he was willing to repent and return. Let's put some sandals on his feet. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they all began to celebrate. Now this Easter, the most important choice you can make is this. Have you ever called out to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? And if you have, will you be like Zach and Lindsay and come and live in the house? You know, it's interesting, the son didn't just like stop at home and then go back off to his old way of life. Zach and Lindsay, they have seen their lives change, their habits, their relationship, because they're here every weekend. It's not about this building. It's about them connecting with Jesus, and they're here, and they're obeying him one week at a time. Here's what Easter's all about, Luke 19. Jesus said, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So my question for you, wherever you're lost, or whatever's lost in your life, will you return to Jesus to find whatever you've lost? I wanna pray that for you right now. Father, in this room, you're speaking to us in our hearts. God, every one of us, we've been lost from you in some ways in our lives, and I just pray right now, Lord, that every person would make the choice like that lost son, to say, Father, I'm returning home. God, I know for me, I still had a lot of doubts and questions about the Bible and history and your existence, but it, it started in my heart when I just said, God, I, I need you, I want you, I'm, I'm returning home to you. And I just pray for anyone in here who's never had that moment before that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, others who maybe have wandered They've known you, but they've wandered, and this Easter, you're just, you're wrapping your arms around them, you're bringing them back. I pray, Lord, that, that in this moment, we would just experience in our hearts that you're, you've been there all along waiting for us to come back. May we experience that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Hey, I'm gonna ask you to stay seated and just hear this song, that there was Jesus all along. Just listen to the heart of God for you, and, Let him speak to you right now.